uh, good evening and welcome to yet another evening with me, Dwayne Perensberg, right here on Radio Pulpit, your daily companion. Such an awesome privilege uh, to spend the next hour with you. And uh, once again, it's that time of the month. It's the last Monday of the month. That means that it is Kingdom Legislation with myself, Dwayne van Rensburg, and then, of course, Reverend Paul Coupe. Now, if you don't know who Paul Coupe is, then that means you are not on social media. If you go have a look at what's happening on social media right now with Paul Coupe, she's really trending, and um, she's hitting the world by storm. And that, of course, I believe is because she's an outspoken child of God. And it's such an awesome privilege. For the past three years, I've had Paul Coupe um, on my show. Show once a month, and it's such an amazing privilege to know that this lady sits next to a president of countries, and she's advisors to governments, and uh, she's also there to have our back from a church perspective point of view. This evening is once again another jam-packed evening, and uh, if you are listening to us right now on Radio Pulpit, please also go to Facebook. This is also being broadcast live on Facebook right now, and you can join us in the chat. Right, please remember for uh, if you've got any suggestions or anything that you would like to bring to my attention, please send me a mail, Dwayne at radiopulpit.co.za. That, of course, Dwayne, D-W-A-I-N, or alternatively, if you would like to interact in this evening's program, do so. Send us a WhatsApp, 0826572729. All right, so stay right there, because uh, we are just about to patch Reverend Paul Coupe into our chat, and we are ready to hear what's going on in our government and around the world and what legislatively is expected of us as the Ecclesia, the Church of Christ, and what responsibility we have towards that. All right, stay there. Right after this, myself and Reverend Paul Coupe will be back with a Kingdom Legislation. All right, so there you have it. Now you don't have to look only at my face anymore. I've completed the picture with a more beautiful face. <laughs> so if, you are, if you're joining us on air right now on, on Radio Pulpit on the radio, please also go to Facebook and you can see the beautiful face that I'm referring to. It is my colleague, my sister, and I've missed her so much. Reverend Paul Coupe, Rev, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good, Dwayne. I am fine. I'm I'm doing better because it looks like winter is kind of coming to a close. I'm not sure. It's kind of like it's making up its mind or what, but yeah, it's not quite as bad as it was a few weeks ago. So yeah, we're doing good and we continue to have hope. I mean, there are lots of challenges out there, you know, and uh, especially in the field we're dealing with, Dwayne, you know that I mean, literally, there's like a legal challenge every week, you know, <laughs> so because that's that's what our program deals with is issues that pertain to kingdom legislation in particular. So there's a lot going on, but we are neither deterred nor discouraged. Um, we are continuing, as they say in Kosa or Zulu, the Zulu word for carry on is Kubeka. We are Kubekaing. Yeah. So let me just let me just understand. You said that you don't know what's. It seems like it's going to be summer now. In which country are we? Which country what? are you referring to? Because by the looks of things on your social media, you are never stuck in one place. <laughs> well, I'm actually in South Africa now. So I got back to South Africa <laughs> a couple of days ago. I just came back from Botswana, Gaborone, Botswana. And they were, they hosted an amazing meeting there. So for those who don't know, every nation in Africa 
uh, has a form of evangelicals. Mm. So um, there's there's a church evangelicals. They meet and they 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 form under one form. In South Africa, for instance, we have TISA. TISA is an acronym that stands for the Evangelical Association of South Africa. So it's TISA, T-E-A-S-A. It's led by a very good friend of mine, Reverend Moss Ntla. So he leads TISA. Um, in Zimbabwe, it's called EFZ, EFZ, which stands for Evangelical Fellowship of Zimbabwe. In Botswana, it's called EFB, which is the Evangelical Fellowship of of Botswana. And so it goes on and on. So now there is a huge umbrella organization called AEA, which is Association of Evangelicals in Africa. So this body now covers um, all the bodies in the different countries. And there was a meeting of almost about 200 leaders of these different forms from Africa in Khabaroni, Botswana, and uh, yeah, about a, a three, four day meeting. So they'd asked me to go and speak there. Um, there. There was a topic I was handling. Now, the reason why I actually went to all the trouble of telling you all about it and mentioning it is because I think it's important for us as Christians to know the forms that are there. And especially one of the things I'm going to be talking about in this session, Dwayne, is the aspect around how Christian rights are being attacked and how we are seeing those rights being attacked. And I'll, I'll address that, I think, towards the end. So please remind me, um, because we really need to stand up for our rights. And so it's important as Christians that we know that there are initiatives and organizations and forms like this so that we, we hold the leaders to accountability. And the reason why we were meeting was to discuss some of these issues around what is impacting the church what is affecting the church? Um, what about our rights, our constitutional rights, the right to freedom of religion? That was also discussed amongst other things around the economy. Um, how can the church be relevant um, within the economic um, sphere? And I did a presentation on that, especially pertaining to women, um, the church and women and an economy and you know entrepreneurship and all of that. So it's very, very important. Yeah. So I was there in Botswana and I came back from Botswana. Then I went to Mpumalanga and um, from Mpumalanga, I, I, I went to Guatemala and uh, at least I'm in the nation though. <laughs> and then I came back yesterday. Yeah. Well, I'm thankful for that. Rev, just before we go any further, I just want to make sure that I've got the facts ready. I recently yeah. read something somewhere. I can't refer where, where, um, where they spoke about the um, the bill on prostitution, and I think yeah. we had a we had a session about that a while ago. I just want to yeah. touch base with you regarding that because we 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 did a kingdom legislation program on that, and as far as the specific thing goes, that bill has been kicked out. Is that correct? Um, I won't. You know, I don't kicked out. Perhaps is is um wrong term. Yeah, it's it's I, I wouldn't exactly describe it that way. Um, I just think what they've done probably is just to maybe to sideline it kind of right now. But I, I wouldn't go to that extent of just saying it's been kicked out. And it's very important that we understand uh, the reason why it's important, Dwayne, is that, you know, to keep it on the radar is because what happens with the church is when we think something is over, 
we relax, we become mm. comfortable and we become complacent. Placent, so yeah. we, we still need to be vigilant. We still need to be watchful because oftentimes what happens is when we think it's no longer an issue, we relax and then that's when they pass it. They bring it up and we're chilling, you know, out there eating, eating chisanyama and all that stuff <laughs> and, you know, clapping hands and thinking it's all over. But we need to remain alert, vigilant. We need to remain watchful. We need to keep reading um, because even that legalized prostitution bill, uh, they try to sneak it in in December. I remember it was December when I think it was December 8th or something when or, or 9th when when they put the word out and everybody was in Christmas mode. I was actually in the Karoo at that time, you know, on a, yeah. a safari with a, with some friends and the Holy Spirit, like, look at this. And I had to do a, a Facebook live the same day. I was like, ha, you know, they're waiting for everybody to go on vacation. They waited for the end of the year when everybody's tired and just wants to go on vacation. So I said, no, 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 you, you're not allowed to go on vacation until you make submissions to this legalized prostitution bill. Yeah. So I would say that to the church to say, remain watchful. Um, mm. I, I wouldn't say it was kicked out. I think they've just put it to the side. And I think um, there's a possibility oh, no. for now. I think there's a possibility that they, they may bring it back. Um, and, you know, you remember what they did also uh, with with um, with the the hate speech bill. Yeah. Remember right. how we collated so many responses, over 100,000 response. I remember and that. yeah. And then it, there was quiet. They didn't say anything. And then guess what, Dwayne? They brought it back even worse in a worse form. Just when we thought, oh, no, you know, we made a plan, we responded, it's been pushed back. They brought the hate speech bill back and it was even more severe than before because previously when, you know, if you had infringed on, on, on the hate speech bill, one would have gone to prison for, you know, between three to five years. Now there's a possibility of going to prison for eight years. So, and remember the last time we had our session, I asked the question to say, they didn't even give us a report. There was no report back in terms of what happened, how many submissions were received, how many submissions were in the negative, how many were in the positive. Um, they, there was no explanation yeah. as to why they would have increased the sentence when we know that one of the many things that people said was that the sentence was too harsh. So that means you're not listening to what people say. If you come back with the, the bill, you regurgitate it, you bring it back and in a worse form than before, when people were already telling you it's too harsh, then it simply means you didn't read the submissions. And that's why in our last session, I asked the question to say, are people even reading the submissions? Are they opening them? Are they reading them? Do they even care what we say? You know, that is something I really think, still think, we need to, uh, you know, put to the government. And, and I've said that before. I, I made a presentation to parliament years ago um, in the Eastern Cape. They had a, a religious parliament session and they asked me to give feedback on the aspect of public participation. And what did I have to say about public participation? Dwayne, my submission to parliament was to say that we appreciate the fact that you give us an opportunity to participate. But, and this was 10 years ago I made this, this presentation. I said, but, I said, what we don't appreciate 
is being called to participate and then you don't take our submissions in in you know into question you don't listen to them you don't act on them and i said that's you just it's just a white elephant it's of no use you are just trying to tick the box so that you can say we followed protocol we followed the process but you didn't listen to us so what's the point in having these processes if you're not actually going to listen to what we're saying and democracy I want to say this democracy is not just about following the process and ticking the box. Democracy means you actually open the envelopes, you actually open the emails. Um, if there's an internet glitch whereby your your <laughs> email are, are are break down because there's so many submissions, you democracy means you fix that email as soon as possible. You don't let it just, you know, stay down because you don't want the submissions because you realize the public are against it. That's not democracy. Democracy means you want the truth. Democracy means you don't hide. You don't hide the, the submissions that are against the bill that you want to propose. And that's the reason why, Dwayne, we have had to have movements like Dear S.A., you know, the reason why we had to have Dear SA movements like that was we needed to have independent networks that could inde independently count submissions outside of government. Because we know that there are instances whereby it was alleged that only a few submissions came in, when in reality, hundreds of thousands of submissions had been given. So we had to, and thank God for Rob Hutchinson, you know, uh, a friend of mine who 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 leads and and founded and started the DRSA initiative. But through that, there's an independent record where we can actually track record to say that no, you can't say there were five thousand submissions when we know that through DRSA alone there was over one hundred and twenty thousand, not counting the government, the ones that went directly to government. So that's just showing you that we're not following the democratic processes that we're public citizens, private citizens have to formulate their own methodology of capturing feedback because yours is either ineffective, emails have gone down, they're not working, or if it's not ineffective, it's not truthful. It's not articulating the true number of submissions. That's not a democratic society. That is not, it's not adhering, it's not complying to the principles of democracy which have to do also with transparency and which have to do with truth. So if we are changing figures or hiding figures to, to sell our own narrative that we want, that's not democracy because democracy is about the voice of the people. It's about articulating, you know, the majority, what are the majority saying and wanting? Yeah. Riv, just a, just the last thing before we go on um, talking about, stuff that's open to public comment and talking about um, the ecclesia as we refer to it, who's supposed to have their voice heard. Something that has made a, um, a, um, a huge presence on social media is the public comments on the Bella Bowl. And I, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not sure if I've ever seen the past five years um, the public comment um, sessions um, 
like I've seen the Bella Bulls and people have really gone up to these sessions and have really made their voice heard and everybody knows about the Bella Bull. Can we expect these public comment sessions to to contribute towards standing against the Bella Bull or will this once again be something that's just thrown under the carpet and they're going to ignore it? I actually think we need to, it deserves a separate session on that. I'll tell you why, Dwayne, because um, a report, I don't know if you're aware that a report has been made by government on the Bella Bill. Well, this time I think, and I'm hoping because we, you know, we and others made such a noise last time about, we're not getting any feedback from you guys. So (laughs) guess what? This time they actually produced a report on the Bella Bill um, in terms of submissions received, what was said, blah, 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 summarized report. But I also um, have received another report from another independent source. This is what we were just talking about, remember? That government produces their report, but then there are other reports. And so I also have in my hands a separate independent report that is actually pointing out the inconsistencies of the government's report. What they are alleging was submitted. They're actually pointing out to say, this cannot be because of ABCD. This cannot be. That's why I said, actually, it deserves a whole separate session so that we can go through them one by one because I, for one, do not like to make allegations that are unproven. Mm. I don't just want to just speak out of turn. I want to be able to say, this report says this. Let's compare this provision with this provision. You know, I guess it has to do with my legal training, but it also has to do with the concept of fairness, that really you can't make accusations that are groundless or baseless, that have no merit in them because they can be very damaging. So whatever accusations we want to make, we want to make them on the basis of having information. So I would really want to, talk about this, looking at both reports, at the government report, what are they saying was the report back and feedback on the Bella submissions, and what is an independent report saying on the government's report as well. So I I think if we could, it would be great to have that session, yeah. Yeah, but I think we must do do that then. But let's get to today's topic, because I think today we'll be discussing a few things regarding the, the the, the the marriage bill is there something that's on your heart that you would like to share with us yeah well Dwayne we've had a conversation on this before on this very platform and um at the time I think it probably could be about a year ago I was explaining because that was the time when they were starting to um you know make amendments to the marriage bill and we talked about it and I explained what government was saying, what it was all about, what the intention was, what the purpose was behind the legislation. I'm going to do it again today just so that, you know, to set a foundation and so that everybody knows where we are. Um, I see also some people have been doing videos on it that I've been seeing on WhatsApp, etc. So I'm going to go through it um, today and then um, um, we can discuss a little, a few issues that I think as the church, as the body of Christ, we need to be mindful of and we need to be concerned about. So um, what I explained last time is that there were three pieces of legislation that were essentially dealing with the issue of marriage and they were written at different times. So for instance, you have, um, and I think it's 1988, you have the original Marriage Act, which was out there. 
And then after that, another act was brought into play called the Recognition of, of Customary Marriages Act. So, of course, now it's bringing in a different element. So it's not just the usual marriage as, you know, we, we are used to it, but bringing in the aspect of customary marriages. And I think that was in 1998 as well. And then now we have the third marriage bill or act. So you've now got three pieces of legislation dealing with marriage separately. And then now the third one is called the Civil Union Act. And mm. I believe that may have been started in 2006, Civil Union Act of 2006. So now also trying to bring in another component of marriage, quote unquote, marriage. Yeah. So I said that to say to say this, that one of the reasons that the government is trying to put forth to explain why this single piece of legislation, because what they're doing now is collating all these three separate pieces of legislation dealing with marriage. They're bringing them together in one act, in one act. So that's one of the reasons um, that they're saying um, is so that they can consolidate all the acts, the three different pieces of legislation and bring them together. Now, as far as I know, I think um, it was this, goes back, this policy and this consolidation goes back as far back as 2020, 2021. They've been wanting to or in trying to consolidate these pieces of legislation. Um, they've been gazetted. Uh, yeah. So it's, again, it's what? It's it's um, consolidating the Marriage Act of 1961, which, which, remember, I think I said 1988 before, 1961, which, remember, um, this was dealing with monogamous, monogamous marriages for what? For opposite sex couples between, um, you know, really dealing with what we would call the definition under the definition of marriage within our Christian circles. So basically now they want to redefine marriage. They want to widen the definition of marriage. And of course, you know, for me, I always say from this perspective, I always say marriage for me was uh, created, an institution created by God. And I, I always find it interesting. How, how do you uh, actually redefine an institution that you didn't create? So if, if you want to do something, I think, I think you should rename it, give it your own name, but, but don't use a name that was used by the originator or by the creator. If you want to um, have your own, I, which is why I think the third act is called civil union and not civil marriage act, civil union. So I, I guess that would probably be more appropriate. So, yes. So um, bringing all of them together, the Marriage Act of 1961, the customary recognition of customary marriages act of 1998. Now that one, which was now catering for the more traditional types of marriage. And of course, what that act did was to bring in the aspect of polygamous marriage, polygamous marriage. But still, that act did not recognize um, same sex marriages same-sex marriages. It was polygamous marriage, but still within the original concept and definition of marriage, which was opposite sex couples. So of course, now the third act, Civil Union Act of 2006, now making provision for so-called monogamous partnerships for same 
and opposite opposite sex uh, couples. So here's what what is happening here um, is according to the government, they are saying that the changes that are being made to all these legislations are to not only to consolidate the three acts, but they are also saying that it's to align with the constitution. And what they're saying is they're saying that it's aligning with the constitution to ensure against discrimination. Now I'm going to challenge that Dwayne. I'm going to challenge that because for me, you cannot change provisions for a minority group of people that are representing 3% of the population, but those provisions now are discriminating against an 80% population. So you may say that you're aligning with the constitution. I'm saying, for instance, one of the things that this act purports to do, Duane, is that this act now purports that if you are a marriage officer, let's say you're a Christian marriage officer, you will now have to marry a same-sex um, uh, couple. So how can you say we are aligning it so that it doesn't discriminate against people? And you're talking about a 3% minority of people, but now you're discriminating against a Christian marriage officer by forcing them to marry a, a couple that is against your religious belief. So mm. to me, you know, you, you can't, nobody's right outweighs the right of somebody else. Yeah. If you are saying somebody has a right to get married, well, I also have a right to religious freedom, to, oppress, to, to express my religious faith. And that is contained in the constitution. Section 15 of the constitution affords me that right of freedom to belief, right of freedom to my opinion, right of freedom to my religious faith and values. So by now forcing me to, to uh, uh, you know, to marry a same-sex couple, you are overriding that right, that right. So that's why I said that, you know, the claim to say that we're, Aligning the provisions to make them non-discriminatory to me is a false claim because you are definitely discriminating against mm -hmm. a large majority population. 80% population are being discriminated against. So essentially, this act now is being made gender neutral. Um, that's the purpose. That's what they're doing is they're making it gender neutral. Um, I was listening to a video where I, I, I haven't seen that, but I did hear a video where it was being alleged that there's no longer any mention of husband and wife. So it's being made gender neutral, um, no mention of husband and wife. Uh, the whole aspect of monogamy, which for us as Christians is a, an essential part of marriage. Mm. You know, um, in our Bible, we understand the Bible uh, speaks of, of, of course, we know in the Old Testament, there were polygamous marriages, but we know that with the coming of Jesus, he spoke about one, one man, one, 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 one woman, husband and wife, you know, so the Christian marriage is a monogamous marriage, essentially. But now with this act, monogamy will no longer, will no longer be an essential feature. In fact, it opens the door to um, polygamous marriages. So one of the provisions deals with group marriages. Basically, you can now have group marriages under this act, uh, Dwayne. So, yeah. I'm not you, following. You, you can have group marriages. Like one person um, can marry 
three three people. You know, one man can marry multiple women. One woman also, a woman can marry multiple men. And under it, you can even have like group kind of marriages, two or three partners involved like that. So it's, it's, it's really dealing and attacking the essential aspects of, of, of marriage, of marriage, uh, which is, like I said, the foundation of marriage is, is really monogamous. Uh, wh why do you enter into a marriage anyway, Dwayne? Let me ask you this. Why, if you want to have multiple relationships with multiple people, wh why would you get married? Why don't you just do it? Because the essence of marriage is actually to commit to a single relationship. So if now you want to be multiple relationship, why bother getting married? Why? So I have my opinion about it, but you don't want to hear my opinion. No. <laughs> okay, let me give you anyway. That law says you want to hear it. Um, I, I believe I can that. see your face. I'm looking at your face. That's why. <laughs> because I'm outspoken just like you. And I'm outspoken because I'm a child of God. No, and, and I know. Scripture, scripture refers to us as his bride. Exactly. I, I was actually going to say that, that the basis of monogamy, and maybe I can say it for you so you don't get into trouble because me, 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 I don't, <laughs> me, there's no trouble, you know, that's, hey, you know, whatever. But, but I wouldn't mind getting in trouble the thing. because I'd much yeah. rather be off radio but stand for Jesus than no. not standing for Jesus. So Sorry, yeah. that's just me. Sorry. Yeah, but here's the thing. Like I said, uh, as as far as, as we know, marriage was created by God, an institution created by God. And on the basis of, of Jesus being the groom and the church being the bride. Yeah. And that's why the basis is monogamy. And that's what I always tell even Christians, because they're believers I've heard who have tried to actually support polygamy. You know, who've tried to support polygamy. And I've said, when you, if you're a Christian who supports polygamy, because they use the Old Testament, they use the fact that Solomon had multiple wives and David had multiple wives. And I said, yeah, but you don't understand. Under the law of Moses, they were allowed to have that, but it was never under a kingdom principle. That's why Genesis, it talks about a man shall leave his wife. And it doesn't say his wives. I mean, he shall leave his parents shall leave his parents to cleave to his wife. A man shall leave his parents to cleave to his wife. It doesn't say to cleave to his wives because it was never part of God's original intention. If it God wanted you to have more than one wives, you've got 20 ribs. He only yeah. used one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's what I always say. The fact that it was done doesn't mean it was ever a kingdom principle. It just means under the law of Moses. Remember, it's the same law of Moses that they said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. Under Moses's law, you could, if somebody took out your eye, I'm going to take your eye. Under Moses's law, uh, you could divorce, you could wake up in the morning and say, I divorce you, I divorce you three times. And that was it. But that was never God's kingdom principle and intention. And that's why Jesus had to come and say, this is actually the kingdom standard. And one of the things he, he said about marriage around the kingdom standard was the fact that it's one man and one woman, a husband and a wife. And like I said, it's supposed to actually be symbolic of the relationship between Jesus and the church. And Jesus is not polygamous. 
He's mm -hmm. one groom and he's not married to many churches. It's one church representing the body of Christ. Jesus doesn't have many wives. So the argument of, of polygamy is representing the Bible is only presented by people who don't know the Bible and who don't understand the marriage covenant and why God created the marriage covenant and what it represents. That that covenant is supposed to be representative of the relationship that Jesus has with the church. It is mm. not a polygamous relationship that he has with the church. It is a monogamous relationship. So anybody who's teaching polygamy completely has missed that point and missed that understanding. So yeah, so 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 that's that's pretty much it, um, Dwayne. Is that now? What I wanted to say is that um, we have until the thirty first of August to write to the Department of Home Affairs concerning this bill. So um, yeah, I, I want to just encourage everybody. Please write about it, whatever your objections may be. It could be around the, the aspect of allowing multiple marriages. And I think you should question, like I've said, question the purpose. What is the purpose for having marriage if it's going to be multiple partners? Why, why should it even be around marriage? Why shouldn't people just live and do fat and set, you know? Go and hoi the fat and set now. Why, why, why bother doing marriage? if it's not about commitment, because marriage is all about committing one person to another person. So if you want to just be free to do whatever you do with multiple partners, then just do it without calling it marriage. Well, so, is this thing yet again for us, uh, a call to action to the Church of Christ to go do submissions? Is this what we're doing? We write to the Department of Home Affairs, and there are two names that you can write to. Um, you write to uh, Agnes Molefe is her name. You can send your email to Agnes Molefe. That's Agnes, A-G-N-E-S dot Molefe, M-O-L-E-F-E at D-H-A dot G-O-V dot Z-A, D-H-A dot gov dot Z-A. So that's the Department of Home Affairs Um uh, email address. So it's agnes.molefe, M-O-L-E-F-E, at dha.gov.za. Or you can write to uh, somebody called Moses, Moses Malakate, Moses Malakate also at the Department of Home Affairs. And his email address is Moses, M-O-S-E-S, dot Malakate is M-A-L-A, K-A-T-E at dha.gov.za. So do yourself a favor. You can, um, you know, I can, I, I will send you, uh, Dwayne, the, the Single Marriages Act, and you can put that up up there. People can, can look at it and, and read it for yourselves, uh, see what particular aspect perhaps is, is troubling you and make your submission. But essentially, we have until the 31st of August. So that's just left with three days. So really need to mobilize the church on this one um, quickly. If, if you don't want the whole definition of marriage, um, not only is the definition going to be changed, but the whole content of it, how it has been practiced is going to change. It's going to be an open door and license for immorality for you know all sorts of things for promiscuity people can have multiple partners 
all of that. It's an open door for a whole lot of, a whole range of things. And I think in a nation where HIV AIDS is actually a problem, we have stated that it's a problem. And one of the solutions that we proposed as a solution to HIV AIDS is, you know, abstain, be faithful. Hello, ABC, abstain, be faithful and condomize. So in one act, you've literally taken away that whole be faithful. I mean, how are you going to be faithful to multiple partners? Really? What's, what's faithful about that? How do you be faithful to multiple partners? Oh, there's 20 of us in this relationship. I'm going to be faithful to all 20 of you. What's faithful about that? I mean, come on, guys. That's, ah, you know, faithful. Do we even know what the word faithful means? How are you going to be faithful to 20 people? Come on now. That's not faithful. That's faithlessness. That's faithfulness. So, so why, why is government going to start pushing a policy that they're now contradicting? Abstain, be faithful. That's, that was the solution for HIV AIDS. ABC. A stood for abstain, abstain. So you're not pushing abstention and you're not pushing it in the government. No, you're trying to teach our children to have sex. You're not teaching them. You're not focusing on abstain. What happened to the A? The A has somewhere disappeared. Hmm? No abstention here. Teaching our children to masturbate and all sorts of stuff now. Yeah, now I'm, I'm, I'm hot. Now I'm, I'm, I'm not amused at all. I'm not amused. Hmm? Abstain. Where's the A gone? Where's the A? All the government is teaching is C. All that they're doing is teaching our children C, which is condomize. And then they've mm. added an M. They've, they've added an M. It's C and masturbate. C and ma that, that, that's their policy. They went from no, ABC. And then, and then they've added the comprehensive sex education. No, Sorry, but that's they, it. They that as well to teach them how to use a condom and how to masturbate. That's what I'm saying. I'm talking about comprehensive sex education. Is It includes yeah. that. It includes masturbate. It includes condomize. That's that's CSE. That is their policy. So they've taken out the A and the B. They've left the C, which is condomize, and they've added others, the M. But abstain is no longer there. Be faithful is no longer there because now they're saying you can have multiple relationships, multiple marriages. You can be polygamous. You can be polyandrous. You can have group marriage. I mean, etc. So they're contradicting their own policy. So it's. it's, it's, well, it's I, yeah. think, I think. I, I think. Let's it's move confusing. on. Let's move on to the next topic because the two of us will be like burning flames if we discuss this topic right now. Rev, we've got 15 minutes left. Um, earlier yeah. in the program, you said you'd like to discuss um, Christians being attacked around the world right now. Yeah, I think it's still based on this topic because in my view, this topic is, is simply emphasizing the fact that there is an attack on Christianity. Why do I say that? Um, well, one of the things I've already mentioned, Dwayne, is to say, for instance, why are we so concerned about accommodating a clear minority, 3%? Um, a people who, I'm not saying that anybody should be discounted, but I'm also saying that you cannot accommodate a 3% minority over an 80% majority. And you're going to say, we want these ones not to be discriminated against. There's a 3% minority that's being discriminated against. So the way we're going to ensure they're not discriminated against is to discriminate against the 80% majority. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. So government needs to rethink their policy. Government also needs to rethink 
as to whether we are still a democracy. Because last time I checked, democracy had to do with the voice of the people. To what degree is the government still hearing the voice of the majority? I don't think that's happening in South Africa because there's a voice of a minority that is clearly being heard over a voice of a majority. So that is, and the majority here happen to be Christians. They happen to be Christians. Now, Dwayne, I, I recently wrote a four-page submission um, to, to uh, Botswana because Botswana was considering Bill 29, which was a bill to legalize homosexuality. One of the things I, I said in that submission was to say that the law, this is what we were taught in law school. The law in any given nation at any given time is a reflection of the mores. It's a Latin word, mores, meaning the morality, the values mm. of a society. That's what yeah. the law does. It's supposed to reflect whatever values you have in society. If you have mm. no values, your legislation will show that you have no values, mm. which is currently basically where we are going in South Africa. Our legislation mm. is moving to become a legislation that encompasses no values. We have no values. You can have multiple partners as long as you condomize. Um, etc. So there's there's no there's no morality. There's no values. Um, prostitutes are free to go and 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 sleep with anybody and break up the family unit again. So all the laws that are being proposed in our nation are laws that are showing that we as a nation have no values, have no morality. Which That's which actually contradicts uh, contradicts the the constitution. It contradicts the constitution. Not only that, it contradicts some of the policies we have adopted as a government. Is this not, Dwayne, the same government that had a whole exercise and a whole department that said, we are, we do not have moral regeneration. We are drained. There's no more, there's no morality here. Is this not the same government under President Zuma? That said, we must have a moral regeneration initiative because why did we do that? We recognize that we were an immoral nation. But guess what? We've moved away from moral regeneration. In fact, if anything, we've moved completely the opposite direction to moral degeneration. To moral degeneration. So that is something that we need to look at and, and consider. Um, the law, to what degree is it reflecting our Ubuntu? To what degree is it affecting our values? Not as Westerners. We are not Westerners. Hmm? Why must we always go and accommodate values that are imposed on us from outside? And I like what P President Ruto said, and even our own president has said it, Ramaphosa. But we want to challenge President Ramaphosa to implement what he has said. And part of the complaint, Dwayne, has been that as Africa, we've been shut out and there are certain things that are being imposed on us. We've not been included in consultation. Africa is not part of the Security Council. Africa is not included in, in consultations and in important conversations. And Dwayne, that is part of the reason why we had BRICS, why South Africa joined BRICS. I'm telling you that now. Why? Because... South Africa felt that their views as Africans were not being heard. 
So why would you say that? But you are so focused on, on, on importing values that are not part of our value system. To me, it's hypocrisy. You're saying one thing on one hand. No, we, we are Africans. We also want to be heard, etc. But we have a value system as well. So if you really are saying we're Africans, make sure that you don't throw away our African cultures, our African value system. Don't throw that away. Law reflects so, the mores, morality of a nation. Let's not be hypocritical about it and just import values that come from we don't know where. So, Rev, we've 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 been in trouble in the past when we when we mentioned certain stuff and political parties and stuff like that. So, I want to refrain from using a specific political party's name, yeah. And you will know better. You are the legal eagle in this conversation. Yeah, that, that's you, why. That, that's why, Dwayne, I haven't mentioned any party. I just say government. No, no, but no, but, no, but I'm, I'm actually bringing up this point now, so I may be okay. in trouble. You just have my back. Um, we are we are nearing a. Elections. National election year. And and yeah. I listen to all of these things that's I'm not gonna say it's dividing our country because it's 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 the point that I want to make is do we currently have without mentioning names, do we currently have scope on a party or on, on, on a person that can go into parliament and go sit in the tree of the president that can change these things back to a godly country. Because I don't think it's going to take only an individual. It takes an entire panel and an entire parliament. But do we have that opportunity as South Africa to stand up again for what we believe in our Christian beliefs? Well, we do, Duane. And um, you brought me to another very important point, And I'm going to send you the link for tomorrow. Um, the hope that we have is um, because we may not even have to go through a political party to get the person that we need. Because remember, I did a session once on the independent candidate case. Yeah. And the independent candidate case, the importance of that, and I think we'll conclude on this, the importance of that case is that according to our constitution and according to the constitutional court case, which was heard almost three years ago, mm. that the constitutional court has agreed with a provision and clause in the constitution that says every South African citizen has a right to run for office at municipal level, at provincial level, at national level, without belonging to a political party. I know where you're going with this. Yes. <laughs> Go for it. So Go for I'm, it. Yes, I'm saying you don't have to vote for a political party. There will be candidates, independent candidates that will, you know, that you know, you and I know, you know their value system, you know what they will stand for, that now, according to the constitutional court decision, and according mm. to um, the, 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 the constitution, you can vote for them directly. You can vote yep. for them directly and bypass a political party. Now, here's the problem. Here's the challenge. And this is where we need prayers. And this is why I need to send you this Zoom link so we can get people on prayers. Because what happened is um, the system as it stands now, currently, Dwayne, is that the IEC, which is our electoral body, independent yep. electoral body, the way they've done the voting system, it doesn't make allowance to accommodate independent candidates. So the court gave them two years. They said, 
two years you have to go and, you know, summer maka plan, the bur maka plan, the IEC must maka plan as well. Yeah. <laughs> so they said, go and maka plan. IEC, you've got two years to maka plan. Yeah. And there were certain pieces of laws that had to be amended to support because the IEC was not, did not have that legislative power to mark that plan. So anyway, long story cut short, IEC had two years. They had to change some laws to accommodate that. Long story cut short, Michael Louie and I were in court last year, towards the end of last year, when they passed the bill. But the way that they passed this bill for the IEC to now accommodate independent candidates, long story cut short, they passed it in such a way, Dwayne, that it is not going to give proper effect for independent candidates to run. They've made it so difficult. I don't want to go to bore people through, you know, provision this, 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 but, but essentially what you must understand is parliament made it so difficult when they realized that they couldn't stop independent candidates from running and that this will probably take a lot of votes from them, you know, then they made it so difficult for independent candidates to run the money that you need to, to that's required to register and all of that. And the percentage that you need to get, et cetera. They put the, the bar so high as to almost make it impossible for independent candidates to run. So what Michael Louie did, my good friend then said that, listen, it's not going to work this way. So he said, I'm going back to the constitutional court. And he went back with some other parties to the constitutional court. And the good news is that because what was going to happen, normally you cannot go to the constitutional court directly. You can't. And that was the challenge we had during the, uh, what do you call it? The vaccination time, COVID. Yeah. Yeah, that people could not go directly to the constitutional court. You have to go through the various courts. There's a hierarchy of courts, you know, mm. high magistrate's court, high court, blah, blah, blah. No, so no, no. the good news is that um, you, can, you can apply uh, to the, make an application to go directly to the constitutional court and the constitutional court will grant you that application if the case is, is deemed to be of such importance that and and the con the good news is that i think it's two three weeks ago the constitutional court came back to say this case actually is of such importance national significance and importance we're going to listen to this court meet this case immediately because if it was going to take the ordinary route, it was going to be after elections. And that would have been too late for people. You wouldn't be able to vote for your independent candidate. But so tomorrow we're having a prayer meeting on this matter. Because the, uh, tonight, sorry, tonight there's a prayer meeting on this matter. Because tomorrow the case is on in the Constitutional Court. The, the case is on in the Constitutional Court. Well, send so me the link. Pray. I'll attach that to the bottom of this. Yeah, so South Africa, we need your prayers um, to pray that the Constitutional Court will agree and force Parliament to go back and to make it practical and implementable so that um, the purpose of, of this, this um, change, independent candidates case, can be fulfilled. Because as it is currently now, it is, it's a toothless kind of provision right now. Its purpose is not being adhered to. So that's what we need prayer on. And we'll be having a prayer at six o'clock from six o'clock to nine, six thirty, I think it is, six thirty to eight thirty. Zoom link. Um uh, myself and other people will be speaking on this link. I'll be on it. Michael Louie, who's the originator of this um court case, will be on it. 
Um, people like Gareth Stead will be on it. He's from Every Nation Church. Uh, people like um, Dr. Arno van And next time we must talk, next time we're talking, we must talk, uh, please, let's mark it. We must talk about Time to Rise because Time to Rise is also very yeah, I've important. I've seen you everywhere on all of those platforms. Paul Kupa is with Dr. Arnu. We must get yeah. Arnu, Dr. Arnu yeah, with us, man. Yes, no, definitely. I think next session, let's do a uh, session on Time to Rise. And then we can, yeah, we can double thing i'll i'm happy to give arno some of my time so for the 30 for the one hour let's i'll i'll find out about arno's availability and we can talk about time to rise in fact in this month's joy joy magazine that was my whole article was on time to rise so yeah well, I'll, I'll also send dr arnold uh, uh, a message i'll tell him he owes me a favor so he's gonna yeah. do one with the two of us that'll be awesome rev we've actually run out of time yeah um, I can just encourage people, just go to Reverend Paul Coupe's Facebook page. Okay. And I don't know how, I thought I'm busy. I don't know how <laughs> you get around. Yeah. Huh? You are yeah, everywhere. Follow me. I suggest that you follow me. Don't just go intermittently because if you follow me, then you will get notifications. So follow me. My Facebook page is Pearl, P-E-A-R-L. And then Komozo. I want you to go to Koms because people go to my old page, which is not there anymore. So it's not just Pearl Coupe. You must look for the one that says Pearl, and then it's Komozo, K-G-O-M-O-T-S-O. In fact, it's the one, yeah, Pearl Komozo Coupe. It's the one, if you see my profile picture, it has a time to rise, Ginako thing. So that's the one you must click. The one that has Pearl Coupe, but my profile pic is in a time to rise kind of it's got a border of time to rise that's the one you must click that's the one you must um look for some updates and that's the one you must follow please follow me because then you will get these notifications because i well, have wise, i have almost 33 world. yeah huh? i have almost thirty-three thousand people on there so because people be contacting me Dwayne, saying can you tell me this can you update me on this friends family i love you but i can't update thirty-three thousand people individually so the only way I can manage to do it is if you just come to the page and follow me, because when you follow me, you will get notifications and you'll get updated and then you'll know what's happening. Follow me, Whoopi Goldberg, Sister Act, Wise Words. I will follow you. I will, fo <laughs> yes, I will follow you. Oh follow my, you wherever you make <laughs> We follow Jesus. We follow Jesus first. And then Paul said, Paul said, follow me as I follow after Christ as I imitate after Christ. So you only follow leaders to the degree and extent that they follow after Christ. No, oh, well, Rev, I miss you a lot. Can't wait to see you live in studio with me again. I can't wait for that. But we gotta, we got to greet yeah. our, our listeners and our viewers this evening and say goodbye to them. Once again, Rev, thank yeah. you for everything you do for us as thank a nation. You. And thank you for standing up for Christ. You are, I, I've got so much respect for you and, and, and thank you for doing that. No, it's always a pleasure. Let's do this together, family. Simunye, we are one. Um, yeah, let's hoy this. And yeah, Dwayne, you still owe me cook sisters. I will. Rev, before we say goodbye, I just two quick things. Number one, I'd like to yeah. take this opportunity to wish my wife happy birthday for tomorrow. Yay, happy birthday! And number happy two, birthday. 
On behalf of myself and Reverend Pulkupay, we would like to just also share our condolences with Derek Watts. Um, he was an amazing man. I spent some time with Derek, and um, we think of, of his wife and his family. And um, yeah. also, Derek did a lot for South Africa. So uh, he, he will be greatly missed. He did greatly missed. I had the privilege of doing two carte blanche um, recordings there. And I do also want to extend my condolences to the carte blanche staff and all those who um, Derek was working with. I know that they thought very highly and esteemed him very highly. So thank you. All right. So on behalf of myself and Reverend Pulgipay, blessings. And remember, we love you, but Jesus loves you more. Bye-bye, guys.